are double dosing on Sunday, July 18th of Edge of Your Seat Podcast. We did one a couple hours ago. We had started working out in the morning. In between, went golfing, did 18 holes at Mendota Golf Course, went to an 8th grade graduation party, did three interviews, one for this podcast. You'll know who that is a little bit later, as in future episode, and two interviews for articles for the paper in Dwight. So busy, busy weekend, busy, busy Sunday. We're ending it with another fantastic episode. This one, 186, is with Brian Holman, the softball coach at Seneca. Episode 185 was also represented by Seneca in their ace pitcher this past season in Maggie Carpenter, who is now off to Charleston, South Carolina, D1 College. She is going to be doing it up for them. Holman led the Fighting Irish to a regional championship. They fell in the sectional semifinal. This is eighth regional title as a coach. Three different programs, Newark, Hall, Seneca. He's got eight regional titles. He'll say it in here, wants to keep pushing, get a bigger one, a state title probably, and he's going to keep doing it. Also, he let us know he is taking over the Seneca girls basketball program. He will be their new head coach this upcoming season. There's no biases here at Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Every coach, every player, all viewed the same. We're all awesome in our own little ways. Do our things. Covering Brian Holman for a good five or six years, his whole entire hall run, Paying attention to what he's been doing at Seneca the last two years. Really didn't get to do much a year ago because of COVID-19. But have been following him for quite some time. He's a great coach. Always enjoyed his coaching style. And it was a pleasure to have him on this podcast. Just like everyone else, we got a little more in-depth look of his thought process. And how he goes about doing things on the field or on the court. I know you'll enjoy the conversation with Coach Holman. Always a great guy to talk to. My name is Brandon Lachance. I am the host of Edge of Your Seat Podcast. The beat that you heard at the beginning and that you'll hear at the end was created by Brian Cavelli. He's the man, SIU brothership here. Great dude, great producer. Catch him on SoundCloud, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Brian Cavelli is everywhere this show is everywhere too you can catch edge of your seat podcast on spotify apple podcast and our website rss.com backslash podcasts that's with an s it is plural backslash edge of your seat podcast social media edge of your seat podcast on facebook and on twitter you'll find us under Edge of Your CP. Follow us, like us, retweet us, share us, do all those things. It is always much appreciated. Love the support. If you have any questions, suggestions, want to be a guest, know somebody that will be a good guest, want to advertise with us, send an email, edgeofyourseatpodcast at gmail.com. 
This episode is brought to you by Shimmer Mendota Ford, a community dealership that is here for you. Want to start this episode off with a breakdown of Big Brother. Kevin Klum and I, he is the sports editor at the News Tribune in LaSalle. We do a Big Brother draft. Every single Big Brother, there's a lunch bill on the line. I've lost the last couple. Time to get some revenge. So we did a draft the day of, hours before the first episode on July 7th, and now we're ready to plug away. I'll read his team first. I'll read my team. And if you want to follow with us, see what happens, be fantastic. I already lost a guy. The very first person that's booted was my guy. Huh. Go figure, right? Kevin's team. Frenchie, who was the first head of household. Aza. Derek F. Brent. Xavier. Sarah Beth. Kyland. And Tiffany. My team. Pretty girl heavy. I don't know how it happened. Just thought some of them had a chance. And it stayed that way. So I, I went girl heavy. I'm not mad about it. We're going to win this. We got Brittany. Whitney. Derek X. That was my first pick. Strong competitor. I can feel it. I can see it. Hannah. She's from Chicago, Illinois. Well, that's what they say, but she's really from the Naperville area. I was just up there. Had to go for the hometown. The local girl. Well, local in our world, right? Christian, Alyssa, Claire, and Travis. Travis being the guy that sayonara already got me one point. The way Kevin and I do this is the first person gone is one point. Second person, two points. All the way up. There's 16 people on the show. If you're the winner, you'll get that 16 points. Add them all up. See what happens. Last year, I think... The first five people were all my people. It hurt. It stung. So hopefully we're not keeping a tradition here and we bounce back real fast. Last weekend, and I watched a couple shows yesterday on Saturday, July 17th, but I have been binge watching Dave, which is on FX. I've been watching it off of Hulu. It's a Little Dicky show. I'm a big fan of Little Dicky. I bought his first album on LP. It's literally staring at me right now. Got it on LP. He's funny. He's so good. The way he puts words together is fantastic, but he does come off as just a joke, a comedian rapper. And this show kind of follows that up. Like, it's kind of funny. He seems like an idiot, but he's really talented, knows what he's doing, and he's making money off of it. So why not, right? For the most part, it's a good show. Some moments, I mean, there's some pretty sketchy stuff with him and Benny Blanco, who is a famous producer and did a cameo in the show. There is a lot of famous people that get in the show. Kourtney Kardashian was in there. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is on the episode that I'm watching right now. Episode four, I believe, of season two. There's two seasons. I believe they're halfway through season two as we speak right now. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is in it. Lots and lots and lots of people that you'll recognize. Justin Bieber was in an episode. Charlemagne was in an episode. YG was in an episode. And many more. I can't think of any off the top of my head right now. But those are the big stars that have been on there so far. 
but there are more, definitely. Every show, it seems like somebody's coming out of the woodwork. I recommend it if you like funny, if you like rap. I definitely recommend you watch it. There's some really, really, really funny things. And there's some sketchy, like I said. There's some sketchy, little racy, little weird. But, I mean, we're weird, right? While we're talking about rap, gotta give a shout out, a rest in peace to Biz Marquis. The man behind that song, Just a Friend. Played everywhere to this day still. He was also kind of like a comedian joke rapper. But he was really good too. Very talented. He had that big baritone voice and put words together really well. He was a face and a name behind those VH1 shows. Like the pop-up videos and the things where they would talk about stars or moments that happened in history. He was part of that. And he did a really good job because he is that kind of guy that can make you laugh. It's got that voice, and you're thinking, what is Bismarck E going to say? So rest in peace. Don't really listen to too much of your music now. I mean, you were big in the 80s and became like a reality TV guy after that. However, that never matters. We lose a life. It's a sad thing, especially for somebody that just tried to make people smile. You know what will also make you smile? Buying a new car. I did it in November of 2020. Through COVID-19, I'm like, hey, I need to smile. I need to feel good. Why not buy a car? Looking online, seeing what I wanted. Like, man, I want something classy. I want to be comfortable. I want to be riding in style. I picked out a 2017 Chevy Malibu. Called Shimmer Mendota Ford. Said, hey, saw this on your website. I don't think it's on your lot. Can I get this? Within 10 hours. They got the car, they cleaned it out, I bought insurance, I bought it, and it was in my driveway. A couple other steps in there, but those are the most important ones. I went up there, talked to them, shook hands, all that good stuff. Maybe we didn't shake hands, it was the middle of COVID. It was fast, it was fun, I felt comfortable buying a car. And you could too. The guys up at Shimmer Mendota Ford, Manager Ski Hartman and his associates, Jason Hintz and Doug Safranic, know how to figure out what you want. They're going to ask you direct questions. You tell them, they'll shop around, they'll help you. They'll take everything that you say into the whole picture and get you exactly what you want. Not what they want to sell you, what you want. That's what's awesome about these guys out at Shimmer Mendota Ford. They're worried about you. They're not worried about just getting rid of a car. They want you to be happy with every purchase that you make at Shimmer Mendota Ford. And there's a huge selection. Used cars, new cars, everything is on the lot, which is located just south of Mendota on Highway 251 or on the website www.mendotaford.com. Call 815-539-9314 for all vehicle inquiries at Shimmer Mendota Ford. Let's get into some sports we really don't talk about much here at Edge of Your Seat Podcast. First, soccer. Shaq Moore scoring the lone goal of the game for U.S. soccer against Canada. With the 1-0 win, U.S. takes Group B in the Gold Cup. That's a good sign for the U.S. moving into this Gold Cup. It's tough, man. It's a tough, tough tournament. Been watching it probably the last couple of them. Know how 
competitive the soccer is and what it means to each country. Good stuff for U.S. Always amazing to see our boys get a win and Shaq Moore made it happen. Golf PGA action. The Open wrapped up today. Won by 24-year-old Colin Morikawa. Man, that dude went to work. Shot a 15 under par to best Jordan Spieth, who shot 13 under par. So two great scores. Murakawa just a tad better. Repping California, now repping an open championship to go with the PGA championship that he's already won. So two majors, and he's 24. The list of golfers that have won two majors under the age of 25 is really, really impressive. Tiger Woods is in there. Arnold Palmer's in there. Jack Nichols is in there. It's a crazy, crazy list of really well-known, accomplished golfers. And now Colin Marikawa is on it as well. If he's not happy about that, he's definitely happy about the payday. His open win brings him home $2.1 million. Jordan Spieth walking away with $1.2 million. Pretty cool paydays. They did their thing. What's cool about golf and soccer is when they're going on, that means it's warm weather. That means you can enjoy yourself, go outside, hop in a pool. It's beautiful. It also means you can make your home beautiful. It's renovation season. It's change season. It's let's get a new roof season. All of those things. And every one of your house's demands, needs, wishes can be done by Olson Construction. Olson Construction works hard to help its customers enjoy their home in every way possible. Brothers Keith Milas and Tommy Olson will use their more than 10 years of experience to take care of your home renovations from start to finish with your thoughts and opinions taken with every step of the journey. The licensed and insured family-owned and operated company prides itself in offering family prices with family honesty on any job. Whether it be roofing, siding, windows, doors, stairs, deck designs, floors and tiling, garage additions, room additions, or full remodels. For a free estimate, call Olson Construction at 815-910-5982. Check out the Olson Construction LLC page on Facebook or send an email to olsonconstruction19 at gmail.com. One more thing we have to talk about. In episode 185, again, just came out a couple hours ago with Maggie Carpenter. Gotta check her out. Great, great person to talk to. Loves softball, has put in the work, and is a great pitcher. One of the best in Illinois this past year. But in the intro, I spoke about the new faces of the MLB and them being prevalent in the MLB All-Star festivities. And I was talking about Shohei Otani, Vlad Guerrero Jr., Fernando Tatis Jr. They are the guys that people want to watch. They are the guys hitting home runs. Otani is hitting home runs and pitching. He was the all-star starting pitcher. It's crazy. He is doing it up on both sides of the ball. That's a face of a league. And then what's he do today? He hits his 34th home run and is leading the home run race in the 2021 season. And the other names that I just said 
are right behind him, proving they are the faces of the MLB. So Otani's got 34 home runs. Vlad Guerrero Jr. is second with 31. Fernando Tatis Jr. has 28 for third. And I just want to throw in the fourth just because it stings a little bit. Washington Nationals, Kyle Schwarber. Yeah, Washington Nationals, not the Chicago Cubs. Kyle Schwarber has 25. Man, man, man. Although Kyle Schwarber on the Washington Nationals makes me sad. What doesn't make me sad is a clean car. Well, especially my clean car. But if you need your car cleaned, scrubbed, all those little grimy, dingy, dirty spots that you can't reach, somebody else might be able to. Actually, when you go to Mike's Pro Shop and Sales in Spring Valley, there is no maybe. They'll do exactly that. Take care of all the little spots that you might not be able to reach to, to shine it, to polish it, to make it look fantastic. Mike's Pro Shop and Sales, located at 204 South Spaulding Street in Spring Valley, can disinfect, super clean, they rust-proof, they take care of fabric, all those stains your kids might leave in the seats, they can get rid of that. It's a full-body shop, and they've recently started offering pickup and delivery service. Give them a call, 815-663-2060, or send them an email, mikesproshop204 at gmail.com. Well, that's it for the intro. Hopefully you listened to both episodes today, episode 185 and 186. Two great, great Seneca representatives, Maggie Carpenter, the amazing pitcher, and Brian Holman, pretty fantastic guy. Fantastic coach. He's a teacher at Seneca. Does a little bit of everything. We're going to try to hit you hard this week with interviews, chats, podcasts, all of that good stuff. Keep the world moving. Keep talking about it. That's what we do here at Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Until next time, peace. Last night we spoke to Seneca, now graduated, Maggie Carpenter, but we can't stop with the Seneca awesomeness there. We got to have coach on, right? Brian Holman, softball coach with Seneca on the podcast, on Edge of Your Seat. How's it going, Brian? Uh, It's going well. Things are busy. Like you said, softball, you know, kind of rolled into that. I just took the head girls basketball job. So uh, we've had summer basketball, little summer softball the way this year went and uh, just starting to wind things down. You are always busy. It seems like everywhere you go, you have more than one coaching job. You're a teacher. You're a parent now. You just got a lot going on. Yeah, yeah. I got two little girls at home, a six-year-old, a two-year-old, and um, six-year-olds starting to get into things. And, you know, I've always liked coaching both, and I've just been fortunate enough at, you know, all three schools I've been at at some point in time, being able to be the head coach of, you know, girls basketball and softball and, you know, Seneca next year will be the first time I'm able to do both. But, uh, you know, it's a lot of fun, and, and, and you see a lot of results with the girls, and, they, and they're really receptive to what you have to say. So if they put in the time, I'm more than willing to do the same. But uh, I'm awfully lucky to have a good family that kind of follows me around and, and lets me do my thing. And your wife, I don't know if she still is, but at one time she was a coach too, right? 
her claim to fame, she's she's the one that's been to state. She was with LP for a couple of years, and Mike Schmidt doing the varsity uh, softball. Her her Randy uh, and Mike went to state. They finished second. Then she had to give that up once we had Quinn. But she still coaches uh, at Peru Parkside. That's where she works. She's a fifth grade teacher, so she did. Uh, softball this year assistant softball and i think fifth grade basketball so we've got every uh corner of the coaching world covered <laughs> that's for sure and she can beat me up later if she wants to but what is your wife's name uh abby there we go abby. i was like i know it starts with an a i wanted to yeah, say amanda no, and i'm like i'm glad i didn't no, no problem yep perfect perfect and when you say randy you were talking about randy hubie yeah, Randy Hubie. Yep, they had the, you know, kind of the whole group together, and they, you know, the gang, gang was together. She just, uh, she played actually college softball at Parkland. She's originally from Effingham, went to Parkland, and then wanted to transfer to U of I, so she quit playing softball. But when she got out, uh, she was fortunate enough to, you know, kind of land a job in Peru and got on with Mike Schmidt, and you know, they made a run. You know, her first second year there, they were pretty good. She finished second. I, I'm still chasing. Chasing that state birth. Boosting up her resume here. She might be a guest on Edge of Your Seat podcast pretty soon. Uh, she's, she wouldn't answer your call. She, she, she's too modest. She, she'll probably kill me for even talking about it. But yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, somebody's got to give her props if she's not going to do it. Exactly. Exactly. You deserve a lot of props, too. Like you said, you have been at three different schools. Usually, you know, you start from the beginning and work your way up. Let's reverse it this way, because Seneca had a fantastic year in your first year with them. I mean, win a regional title, get to a sectional. You have quite a few fantastic players, and this was just your first year with them. Yeah, yeah. We, we had a good group last year with COVID and, and actually graduated for uh, – four girls that went on to play college softball. So um, it was one of those things that, you know, last year we had we had a really tough group and it was unfortunate we kind of got, everything got nixed. But, you know, coming back, we knew we still had Maggie and then we had a lot of unproven girls that we were going to kind of throw out there. She had the experience and, and basically every, you know, we had three other seniors and everyone else was going to be a, uh, a sophomore or junior. Well, the problem is, a sophomore or junior, they hadn't played since they were either a freshman or sophomore. So we were really raw. We had to kind of figure things out. But Maggie led us, uh, kept us in a lot of games early. Uh, we went on a little run where I think we ran or won like 14 in a row and just ended up running into a tough U-high team that um, it's one of those things. Hey, you get a big hit here or there and you beat them. Um, unfortunately, we didn't get a big hit. And uh, about a week before well, two weeks before we had uh, beaten Tolono Unity, who made it to state, finished fourth, uh, three to one. But we got the you know the big three run home run uh, from Zoe Hogus, our catcher. Uh, that's just how things go. We had a good enough team to make it to state. Unfortunately, sometimes you just run into a good team and uh, good team versus good team. Somebody's got to lose, and unfortunately, it was us. Got to elaborate on this just a tad. I mean, it's your first year at a new school. There wasn't a season the year before. Maggie Carpenter, who I mentioned in the intro we spoke to, if you listen to the show, you already heard from her. She didn't play as a sophomore, so she didn't play as a sophomore or a junior. And then you have all these kids that hadn't played since eighth grade or freshman year. (laughs) (laughs) That had to be kind of rough trying to put that together. Yeah, you got it all in a nutshell. Yeah, and, and people forget Maggie, as successful as she was, she... She had Tommy John surgery her sophomore year, so didn't play a high school game since she was a freshman. So uh, we really just kind of trotted out there. Uh, first couple games, I knew we were talented. 
you know, and, and fortunately going forward, uh, we'll miss Maggie and a couple of the seniors, but, uh, you know, we've, we've got some talent coming back, but yeah, varsity softball is tough, um, especially with kind of the way the game has evolved. Uh, the pitching has gotten so much better. I mean, you, you got to be good to be able to compete at the highest level. And, and we were able to do that, but yeah, I, I don't wish another year like this on anybody. It, it was hard. Um, I, I text the girls even last night. I was watching the College Baseball World Series, and I know some of them were disappointed we didn't make it further, but I kind of told them, hey, you win a championship, whether it's a regional, sectional, whatever it is, you've accomplished something pretty special. So uh, it, it was a good year. It was a wild year, but, uh, you know, you, you just kind of wish you had that COVID year back because the chance for the, all those athletes to grow uh, is something that you can't replace. With you saying, you know, you, you knew you had talent, but there was that gap. COVID year, things like that. Did you have any expectations? You said, you know, just trod them out and see what happens. Were you thinking of a, a win mark or what was your real expectations of this team at the start? I got this from a guy I coached with at Newark. My first stop, uh, Dale Skelton was the varsity girls basketball coach. And um, he always gave a speech at the beginning of the year. Uh, he wasn't big on goals. He, he never really set goals. And he always said his goal was to win. Uh, and if you win enough times, uh, you're, you're going to put yourself in a position where you're going to be happy with your season, uh, happy with the outcome. And, and he always said that, you know, you, everybody can be happy and, 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 you know, have a good team and good team rapport and good team bonding. But, you know, at the end of the year, if you're 0-25, you're going to be disappointed in what you've done. And so he, he always said the goal was to win. So my goal has always been to say, hey, we want to win. If we compete well enough, we do the things in practice that we harp on, that will be successful. So our goal, I, my goal was the same as it's always been, you know, walking into the season. It was it was to win games. Uh, if we had to figure out how we were going to do that, we'd figure it out. And we were fortunate enough we did. So I didn't really have a mark, I'd say. Um, in softball, a lot of times coaches or, you know, media people will say 20 wins and you've been successful. You know, it is what it is. I've had teams that, you know, win 16 or 18 and, you know, and, and we're just as good as anybody else that won 25. So um, there wasn't really a win mark, but the expectations were high. Two years before, Dan Stecken had taken a team, you know, pretty deep. And, you know, I had a lot back and then we got COVIDed out. So expectations were there. And I, I think we met them and made our school proud. And, and, you know, the girls were pretty proud of themselves as well. Definitely, and I don't want to say the name Maggie Carpenter too many times because I know it's a full team sport and everybody yeah. played their part. But having Maggie strike out 17 against St. Bede and 20 against Prairie Central, that doesn't hurt in getting wins. <laughs> no, no. Um, and actually, we had, we had pretty good defense, too. I mean, there was games where we had to rely on our defense, and, and we were tough. We very rarely made big mistakes if we made a mistake we we kind of picked maggie up but uh, it was definitely nice having somebody you could go to if you needed a strikeout you know needed a big pitch and i called all the pitches and it, it took us uh, probably 10 games or so and we pretty pretty in sync if if we needed something we got it and uh, that's what's nice having a special player not that you know other other players weren't there but uh you know maggie maggie's uh you know once in every 10 15 20 sometimes a career uh, type of player you don't see many of her in small school sports um and, and you know seneca's a small school 400 kids you just don't have girls like that walk through and it, it was just special year she's a special athlete and I'm, I'm happy i had at least a chance to coach her for a year definitely like i said we're gonna go rewind 
What was your decision from Hall to Seneca? Why did you decide to leave Spring Valley where we're going to get into this, but you had a lot of success, and then you go to Seneca where, I mean, you pick up with success, but what was the decision-making to go to the different school? I'm originally from Seneca. I'm a Seneca grad, so it's, it's always kind of been on the map. I mean, it was one of those things. My wife and I, we built a house, had, you know, a couple kids, and it was, you know, you start looking at, hey, where, where do I want to settle in? Seneca had a job opening, a math job opening, and then had a couple coaching openings. Very fortunate uh, that girls basketball and, and softball were both open, and those are uh, a couple of sports that I've been successful in in the past. And so uh, it, it just kind of fit when I applied. It, it wasn't that, uh, you know, I wanted to leave Hall. You know, the, the opportunity was there, so I gave it a shot. And, you know, it was like I said at the time, um, it was hard to leave just because Hall is a great place to work. It's a brand new school. People are good. Facilities are perfect. Anything you ever needed, um, they had for you. Eric Bryan, as the athletic director, um, had my back. Uh, you know, the, the administration was great. So it was, it was, a, it was a tough choice. And I'm, now I'm working farther away from home. So it's one of those things that, you know, my wife was involved in the decision as well. And, you know, we just thought it, it, it was it was an opportunity at the time we couldn't pass up. So I'm happy I took it. And, you know, hopefully I can I can stay in Seneca for a long time. Awesome. Awesome. It's always cool when you make a decision and you're a year or two in and you're like, OK, I made a good one. Yeah. Yeah. And all those decisions are hard. And I've just been fortunate enough at both schools uh, I've been at, you know, I'm, I two or three years in, and, and they're both places that I wouldn't have mind stayed stay my whole career at Newark, my whole career at all. Um, and, and now it's the same thing at Seneca. I've just been very fortunate to find good places to work. Um, I've never been in a position at any of the schools I've been at to feel like, well, I need to get out. Just so happened some opportunities opened up, and uh, that kind of facilitated the changes. You just got hired or, I guess, promoted as the Seneca girls basketball coach. Let's talk about that and your excitement to, you know, have another program under your belt. Yeah, we've been successful. I mean, my first year under Coach O'Boyle, Ted O'Boyle, um, was football coach and, and basketball coach, and he's going to be a new athletic director. Uh, that's why the position opened up. So he was great to be around our first year. We made a run to the super sectional. So that was the first time I'd ever been a part of a staff that won a sectional. And so that was a cool experience. And, and we ran into Chicago Marshall in the Super uh, and had a, a whale of a team coming back in the COVID year. And unfortunately, I think we were 11-1 and one or 12-1 and one and didn't get to play a postseason. Um, and then I took over this summer, and we got a lot of talent coming back as well. So I'm hoping I can kind of build off what Ted built and uh, – you know, kind of go from there. It's a it's a different style than I've I've always had at Newark and and, and Hall. You know, I'm, I'm used to grinding it out in the two three zone, and you know, kind of the Seneca way is uh, get up, press, play fast. And so I'm excited for the opportunity. We're going to try keeping that going, and you know, I got to kind of adjust just as well as the girls do, and uh, I think we'll be in, in pretty good shape. Hold on, are you getting out of the Holman two three zone? Yeah, yeah, there'll be a little more excitement. Maybe we'll score more than 32 points a game or so that we're used to. But uh, I was so used to, you know, a four or five point lead. Felt felt like we were up by 20 when I was at Hall. And now it's just one of those things where we score in bunches at Seneca and kind of get up and run and press. And so, yeah, it's different. I don't know. I, I kind of cringe sometimes every time I'm thinking like, oh, we got to leave. Let's just grind this one out. And 
it's just a different style. I, I think if if we can kind of do some of the things that I've been successful with in the past and kind of mesh it with uh, what these Seneca girls are used to and have been successful with, I think we got the opportunity to kind of put together something pretty cool. Your 2-3 zone at Hall was almost legendary. Everybody knew what they were going to get if you went to the Lady Red Devil game. Yeah, and that's my favorite thing. Everyone knows what they're walking into and that you practice it and do things um, so well that it doesn't matter if they know. We had some awfully tough groups at, at Hall that uh, it didn't matter if you knew 2-3 zone was coming and we were going to take it to you and shut you down. Um, you know, one of our goals was always, you know, single digit quarters. And I, I know my last year, I, it was almost twice a game at least. We would just give up six points in a quarter, eight points in a quarter, and teams just didn't know what to do. And so that's one of the things I'm most proud of is we, you, we could plug and play just about anybody, uh, but we were tough as nails when it came to defense. I know I wouldn't want to play against you guys. I remember watching those teams like, there's no way you can get past that. Yeah, yeah, we just, I mean, and I was fortunate. I, I had some tough girls, some tough girls that bought into it because it's a different style. you gotta be, you got to be a tough nut to, you know, get in there and kind of grind things out and scrub it up and get, get tough rebounds. And, you know, that's the thing about the 2-3. It's packed in, so you're, you, I mean, you're, you're really playing the three-point line, but when a ball goes up, it's, it's a battle. You know, there's a lot of girls in the lane, and, you know, I was fortunate enough to have girls that kind of bought into it, and, and we had a lot of success. Speaking of success, you had four consecutive regional championships, and some of those girls that you're talking about, Jenna Lucieto. Yeah. Right, you got Galassi, Galassi. And, and, and Soldati and Lucieto and Barroso and um, I had a Bogotitis and Engelhop, the Hearts. I had Janessa Hart and uh, uh, Hannah Hart, and you know, there's just a, there's a whole slew of girls you can list um, that I, you know, I'm leaving. Gabby Engelhop comes to mind, and yeah, they they just kind of fit the mold of a a tough, hard nosed unit. And I I was very fortunate. Uh, my first year, I had a senior, Ellie Herman. Um, that kind of led us and, and got us to a regional championship. I think she scored 32 in the regional semifinal at Marquette against Marquette, and that kind of gave us the springboard with, with Colossi, Lucetto, Oshai, those girls. Uh, the next two years, we were really good, and they just built a foundation from there, and, and then the expectations were we were going to win. Um, and, and you can't say enough, your first couple of years, you build that expectation. Then these girls start start buying in and I think after that it was just one of those things that the expectations were that you know we were going to be playing at the sectional level every year I'm glad you took over with the naming of names because I knew you knew more than me but it, you're right besides Hunter Galassi who could score at kind of a better pace than, than the rest all of them were kind of the same you could plug them in any hole that you needed to and they just got the job done you know outside of Galassi while I was there, you know, Hannah Hart to some effect, you know, we didn't really call special plays for any special people, you know, those two were, were special athletes and both, both all staters in different sports, but, you know, besides that, we were getting six points a game from this girl, four from this girl, eight from this girl, you know, shooting 80% from the free throw line, just doing, doing little dirty work things that, you know, at the end of the game, they add up and, you know, you get yourself a win. One of the games that always, always, like I'm looking back at my career and like cool games that were good to be at and I'm glad I covered, I never forget the sectional final between you and Byron. 
which was also a Hall guy and Eric Yearly as the coach. That game was so crazy. I was right in front of the Hall fans at the scores table with Kevin Hieronymus from the BCR, also a friend of Edge of Your Seat podcast. And oh my gosh, that place was electric. Yeah, I always tell the story. My first year at Newark, I kind of got locked in. We played a sectional final against number one, Hinkley Big Rock in Newark at the time. We were number two in the state. And that one, we walked in, and there's 1,500 people there. The place is packed. Uh, we ended up losing the game by one, but it was two top-ranked teams. And then it was kind of cool. About eight, nine years later, I'm in charge of a team at Hall. Iron ranked number one. I think we were ranked number three or four at the time. We had started the season ranked number two, and you just walk in. And, I mean, again, there's probably a 1,000 people there, and it's just got that buzz and we were good. We, you know, we played well. That was a yearly was in the midst of a, a back-to-back state title run. You know, I think it was really unfortunate for us that we had to run into them. I could almost promise you any, any other direction. We were, you know, we had a team that could have made it, made a run to state, but uh, it is what it is. And, and I think we had the lead at half. Um, unfortunately, our point guard Barroso fouled out on a charge call that I, I still think is a terrible call. She fouled out, and then we, we had to hang on, and he comes out in the fourth quarter and he holds the ball at half court. He's up four. When we just kind of let him hold it for four straight minutes, and people still talk about that all the time. You know, I go golfing at Spring Creek or see some people around, and they, you know, they they, they still ask, hey, why'd you let him hold it? Uh, you know, we, we needed to shorten the game without Barroso, and I think Galassi on that possession got a steal. We cut it to two. And I just, I knew in the back of my head, if, if you fouled them, they're going to make every free throw. And, and they did. And, you know, it, it, they made a run then and won a state title. And uh, I think they beat every other team by 18 or more the rest of the way. And we were the only team that I think in the state realistically had a shot to beat them. And unfortunately, we had to play them in a sectional. That was going to be my next comment, is if you look at that bracket, every other single game was a blowout. They barely get by Hall and then crush the yeah, rest of the competition. They just crush everybody else, yeah. And we had played them twice during the year, so I kind of knew we could compete. And in the summer, I had taken my girls kind of around the state. We played like two top lists and a couple other teams down south. And I knew we could beat them because we had we had beat them pretty bad in the summer. And I'm thinking, yeah, we got a special group. And, you know, we had, we had a, you know, a, a special year. And then the, the pairings come out. And I see Byron's of them. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And, you know, it was, the, it was the Winnebago-Byron thing again. We had to beat Winnebago in the semis. And then you get Byron and you give them everything you got. And, at the end of the day, like I, I said this year with softball, two good teams, one of them has to lose, unfortunately, with us. Yeah, that's the unfortunate thing about sports. <laughs> Somebody's got to yeah. lose. Yeah. Also, while you were at Hall, you won a regional championship with the softball Lady Red Devils, and that's coming off two softball regional championships at Newark. So four softball regionals altogether, one at Seneca, one at Hall, two at Newark, the four regionals at Hall. I mean, that's eight regional championships, so you got to know you're a little successful. Yeah, yeah, it'd be nice to break through and win a, win a few more sectionals, but I, I just tell people all the time, I mean, you get to the sectional level, everybody's good, and once you get there, a lot of it's luck. It's luck on pairings, it's luck on playing well. I can't honestly say I've had a team that was uh, not ready for the moment, 
and unfortunately, you know, we just haven't broken through. We've, you know, we've made it to a few sectional finals and, and some of the teams I've coached and it is what it is. I mean, we've, we've had some special moments, but you know, it was cool to break through um, at Seneca as, as, as an assistant varsity coach with the girls my first year and won that sectional uh, just to know what the feeling is and what it's like. But, you know, I, I look back on my career and I, I told Ted O'Boyle, I said, I, you know, I've had four or five teams that were just as good as this. And, and sometimes things don't break your way. And, you know, it, it is what it is. I'm not complaining. I've been very fortunate. I've been very successful. Um, I've had very good athletes, parents, administrators, athletic directors that have kind of led things. And I'm extremely, extremely happy with uh, the successes I've had at, at, you know, all three places. What year was your last year or season with Newark? Oh, man, you're going to get into a timeline. Uh, I was at Newark for six years, Hall at five years, or at, at Spring Valley Hall for five years. And then this will be my third at Seneca. So it was around 2014. I left Newark and went to Hall. And then, yeah, around 2019, uh, that's when I made the jump from Hall to Seneca. Okay, so this upcoming year will be about eight years since you were at Newark. Yeah, yep. So, you know, from that first spot, the first time that you're, you know, getting used to running your own system and, you know, trying to win regional titles and push further and stuff, what are some things as you as a coach have, you know, paid attention to of yourself and try to make yourself better to help your teams better year in and year out? I was really fortunate at Newark. I, I tell this all the time to anybody that'll listen. I had two of the best coaches I've come across in my 14 years and two of the best coaches and at small school athletic programs. Dale Skelton was the girls basketball coach at Newark. Um, and Norm Meyer was the guy that was the, the softball coach at Newark. And, you know, I kind of learned under them a lot of the fundamental stuff, I, you know, as a coach since then. I don't know. I wish I'd, I've learned a little more patience. I, I don't think I can say that, though. I'm a pretty pretty strict uh, and, and demanding guy when it comes to different things, uh, you know, on the court or in practice. I, I probably have learned to kind of enjoy things more, have more fun, you know, allow the girls to have more fun, a little more freedom. As far as the X's and O's go, you just kind of learn to slow the game down. The, the game becomes a little slower. You're able to watch it more instead of uh, – you know, you're kind of, instead of getting into the game, you're, you're kind of looking for more of what your players are doing and letting the game flow. Um, and that just comes with experience. It's, it's hard to, hard to learn that right away, but, you know, kind of as you've been in more games, you can, you, you know what to expect and how to handle situations. I remember when you were at Hall, if there was any criticism about you that I heard kind of routinely was that you're harsh on the girls. Do you think no. you were then? And has that changed at all? Uh, no, no, and I got the criticism, and my wife gets on me all the time, and my one thing is, I think, as a person, I'm very self-aware. I know, you know, what being harsh is, or being hard on a girl is, blah, 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 but I would tell anybody just to walk into a practice, see how I interact with the athletes, see how much respect they have for each other, and my coaching staff, how much they enjoy it. Uh, and I think a lot of people would be shocked. You know, you, you put in these battles and you put in the time a lot of my teams have put in, and the expectations are high. Uh, sometimes that comes off like I'm a crazy person. Sometimes I, I wish, you know, in a game, you know, I could just sit down, relax, things like that. But I always tell the girls, I'm, I'm not mad at you personally, you know, and I'm not, I'm not 
you know, yelling at you personally. There are things that, though, that are expectations. And, and one of the things, you know, a couple of my athletes that I've had for three, four years have always said, you know, when we get to the postseason, they're like, why don't you yell anymore? As well, you, you've been through the battles. You're there now. I don't need to do anything. We're just going to go out and play. And I, we've been really successful kind of with that attitude that the grind gets you to where you want to be. And if you can handle the grind, uh, then you get in these big situations. And, you know, as athletes or, you know, even as people, I trust my girls wholeheartedly that, you know, in a job interview or they go to college, things like that, they get in these tough situations. And, and they know if they put in the time, they'll be successful. Every guest on Edge of Your Seat podcast, we have play a game. Already had Maggie Carpenter play some hot potato. So we're going to toss it to you real quick and play some more hot potato. What we're going to do is I'm going to give you two objects, people, things, whatever we decide. And you just pick which one you like best. I like it. All right. Michael Jordan, LeBron James. Michael Jordan, not close. That's why I had to ask you, because it seems like everybody from like my era or a little bit older, there's no question who it is. <laughs> no, no question. There's, there's no, you can't argue with me at all. You can say whatever you want. It's Michael Jordan. As a coach of both basketball and softball, which one's your favorite? Basketball. You said that quick. wasn't even a question. Yeah, I, I, I just think as a coach in basketball, you can affect the game more. Softball has become so so good, so specialized that, you know, the pitcher kind of runs the whole game. And I always tell people, if you, if you walk in and a pitcher throws 65, I, as a coach, there is not a, not a single thing I can do. I can't set a screen. I can't call a play. I can't do anything. I have to sit on a bucket and watch a girl throw <laughs> absolute bullets, you know. And there's just it, sometimes that in softball, it, it takes the, the strategy out of it because there's just not a whole lot you can do. And you had one of those on your team this year in Carson. Absolutely, I did. I'm, I'm not complaining, but I know a lot of teams walked in and did the same thing this year. Well, there's nothing we can do today uh, and just kind of take your lumps. Let's move to ice cream. Cookies and cream. Cookie dough. Uh, cookies and cream. Lunch meat. Ham or turkey? Ham. Coke or Pepsi? Oh, Coke. You're picking a... Vacation destination. Are you going mountains or ocean? Ocean. Mexico or Jamaica? Oh, man. I've, I've never been out of the United States. Uh, I'll pick Jamaica. Never been out of the States? Well, I haven't traveled very much at all, to be honest. I, you know, growing up as a kid, I didn't, I didn't really travel a whole lot. And, you know, once you get into coaching, uh, have a couple kids, you start to learn uh, your options narrow. So, uh, you know, we're, we're a Midwest family right now. We'd like to get out a little more once the girls get older. I think we'll do some traveling. You got girls. We got to go cartoons. Peppa Pig or Paw Patrol? Uh, Peppa Pig. We're a big Peppa Pig family. Mickey Mouse or Minnie Mouse? Oof. Yeah, we're probably Mickey. Yep. Team Mickey. Yep. It's summer. Are you uh, in the pool kind of guy or just hanging by the pool kind of guy? Oh, man. Well, both. I love to relax, but like I said, with two little girls, you, you become an in-the-pool guy because they, they're nonstop and they're crazy. So while I prefer as an adult just to kind of hang by the pool, maybe get a little nap in, uh, two little girls, it, it's impossible. And they can't be in the pool without Dad. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it, uh, 
you, you get drug into a lot of things um, that you might not necessarily be ready for, and, and pool time is one of them. They're, they're wild. Well, Brian, Coach Holman, it is always a pleasure. I know you're not supposed to have favoritism as a journalist or anything like that, but you've always been one of my favorite coaches to watch, uh, you know, do your thing, and you're always one of my favorite people to talk to. So thank you for being part of Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Hey, man, thanks thanks for having me. I, I know you kind of mentioned a name earlier, you, Kevin Hieronymus, guys like Kevin Chum, you know, guys from the Ottawa paper. Uh, you guys do a, a service to high school athletics that uh, kind of is a dying breed. And, you know, I, I hope it's something that never goes away um, because I know especially girls, they love it. I, I bring newspaper articles all the time to them that, you know, they see their names, they see their faces, uh, you know, podcasts like this. I know Maggie was excited to be on, but, you know, championing high school athletics, especially on the girls' side, I, is so incredibly important. It's something that they remember for the rest of, your, of their lives. So um, thank you. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for having me. And guys like you, you know, really, really make a difference in, you know, kind of high school athletics and, and how it's portrayed in the community.